Well, good morning, Trace. How are we doing today? Good, good. Uh, God is indeed on the move, and so are we. Um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but today is the very last day that we are going to be in this space called Liberty High School. And Yeah, y'all can clap for that. That's all right. Uh, starting next week, we'll actually be at a new facility off of Mark Dabbling, and so if you show up here... There won't be anybody here, all right? So don't come back here. I got to tell you all, though, uh, we have been extremely, extremely fortunate and blessed uh, to be able to be in this space, in this facility for the time that we have been. Liberty High School and those people that have helped administrate this have been so wonderful for us to work with. Aaron and I have both done the setup, tear down things in schools before, and by far, this has been the very best experience that we've had. And, and uh, there's a guy out here, his name is Adam. Uh, he's been our facility guy for uh, week in, week out. Uh, if you all see him, just give him a big hug, all right? And tell him that we'll miss him. He needs to come and join us back over at, at Mark Dabbling, because uh, he's, been, he's been an incredible guy. Uh, there's also a secondary group, though, we need to just acknowledge real quick, because in order for us to be able to do this, uh, we in, week out. It takes set up and tear down. It takes our operations crew to come in here and do this. And they've been at it for the last nine months, uh, week in, week out, showing up early, staying up late. And so if you have ever been a part of one of those shifts, up early or staying late, would you stand real quick? We just want to acknowledge you. Stand up, stand up, stand up. Thank you. Very good. Uh, just know that your job's not done, all right? So... Uh, we will be, uh, we'll be tearing down here for the very last time and then moving over to the new facility uh, when, we, when we head over there this afternoon. So any of you guys would like to help us get moved into the new place over there, I'd love to have you come and, and do that. We will repurpose the rest of you guys on that operations crew. Well, guys, we've, uh, we've been in a series, and it's called On the Move. Uh, the reason why it's called On the Move is because we've been taking a look at the early church, okay? Right after Jesus dies and gives the commission, we see this movement happen among people. And it's called the church, the beginning of this. And we kind of moved along through the book of Acts, taking it in like two chapter strides. And today, uh, we're, we're going to enter into chapters 11 and chapter 12. And, and what we're going to do is we're going to do it a little bit different today. Everything you've seen here is a little bit stripped down. Uh, by the way, I think we should have a mandolin player like every week. I love that. That's like my favorite. Um, but today's got to be the same uh, for, for the teaching style as well. And so what we're going to do is we're going to have a little story time with Corey. This, this is the time when Corey sits down. And tells you a little story. All right, and uh, what's going to happen? See, look, I even got the glasses. All right, going to throw those on, and uh, and we're going to we're going to head to Acts chapter eleven. And so, if you've got your Bibles, uh, flip them open, turn them on to Acts chapter eleven. You're not going to see anything up on the screen today. Uh, and so, if you don't have your Bibles with you, I want to encourage you to bring them with you, or we have some out there in the uh, guest services uh, every week. Those are available to you if you'd like. Okay, uh, I'm going to walk you through this story. I'm literally I'm going to read you uh, all of chapter eleven, and we're going to kind of pause and a couple of spots to, to have a conversation. If, if you were to sit with me at a coffee shop and we were to do our D1 together, uh, this would be kind of what that looks like. So if, if you don't know where Acts is, it's about three quarters of the way uh, through the Bible. It's in the New Testament just after uh, the gospel stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we get to Acts of the Apostles, chapter 11, starting with verse 1. Here we go. All right, the apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the, un, uh, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? 
All right, let me pause here just for a little context, okay? When it says circumcised believers, what it's referring to is Jewish people, like they have a heritage of being a Jew, who have come to believe Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, okay? This was what was foretold within the Jewish custom, they, but there were some people who accepted Jesus as their Savior, and there was other Jews who kept... Uh, onto themselves and said that Jesus wasn't who he says he was, okay? So the circumcised guys are the Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. Well, what's happening is, is Peter goes to the house of this uncircumcised guy, what they consider to be a Gentile. Now, you all need to understand Jewish culture would say you can't ever enter into a house, never mind, eat with somebody who is not of the same faith that we are, okay? This is a big no-no. And so Peter's like, hold up, hold up. Let me show you what happened. Then he continues on. He begins and explains everything to them precisely as it had happened to him. He said, I I was in the city of Joppa praying and and in a trance when I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners. And it came down to where I was. And and when I looked into it, I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds of the airs. And then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, what you need to understand is in that sheet were a list of animals that would have actually been unclean to the Jewish culture. They wouldn't eat those kind of things. And yet, this voice is telling him, hey, it's okay to eat these things. And so, take a look at Peter's reply. He says, I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. And and the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And don't call me surely. That's not actually in the text. But, like, I think God would have inserted that. So, uh, and this happened three times, and then it was pulled up to heaven again. Now, I don't, I don't know if you all have seen this, this trend with, with Peter, but things have to happen, like, three times in order for him to get this, you know? It, it kind of makes me, uh, makes me think that when Jesus said, upon this rock that I will build my church, he's talking to Peter, I think he might have been talking about his denseness, not necessarily his sturdiness, you know? Um, but, but I love Peter. I love Peter because... Peter is, is he's a real guy. He's a real guy. He really, he really loves Jesus. He really wants to get things right, but he really gets things wrong very often. And I, I got to tell you, I'm, I'm a lot like him. If I'm being honest with you, I'm, I'm just as dense as Peter. I, I need to be reminded more than three times in a lot of uh, situations. And in this particular situation, P- Peter needed to be uh, corrected. It wasn't that his intentions were bad. It was just that he was actually allowing his good things to actually hinder what God wanted to do in him. And, and this is not the first time that we actually see this happening. You see, see Peter in the garden, when the, when the guards start to come to, to take Jesus, he stands up for Jesus and he slices off the ear of the guy. And, and Jesus is like, Peter, you don't, you don't get it. I, let me correct you. Let me instruct you. He does the same thing when Jesus is telling him what's going to happen to him. He's going to be taken away. And, and Peter's like, no, I, I will not let that happen. And, and again, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You don't understand your holiness is actually hindering heaven's work. Have you, have you ever had a need to be corrected, to be redirected, to be instructed in something? Have you ever allowed your holiness to actually hinder heaven's work? Do you mind if I share a story with you? Uh, I've got a microphone, so I'm going to anyway. So um, I, I relate to this. Um, I, was, I was very fortunate um, to grow up in a, in a home that talked about Jesus. I, I grew up in, in church. I, I accepted Jesus at a young age. And there were several points in my life, some of these summer changes, everything moments where I was challenged to, to present my faith to others, to live it out loud and to live it boldly. And I started doing that in middle school and in high school. And, and I remember very distinctly, uh, there was this, 
there was this time where I started to be known as the guy who followed Jesus. And I started to be known for the guy who stayed away from all the bad things. You know, I didn't drink and I didn't, didn't smoke and I didn't sleep around. I didn't cuss. And matter of fact, I, I played sports and I played these guys. And like, um, they, they just, like every other word, I think 80% of their vocabulary was cuss words, okay? Uh, including one of my coaches, my, my high school basketball coach. But they understood the stance that I had taken as a follower of Jesus. And it got to the point where um, th they would guard their mouth around me. They, like they wouldn't cuss around me because they knew what I stood for. Uh, e even to the point where if they let something slip, they would actually apologize to me for, for saying a cuss word in my presence. You know. Now, at the time, I, I got to tell you, I, I actually felt respected. And I felt like, you know what, this is a good thing. People know where I stand and, and they're even acknowledging that. But I remember very distinctly having a conversation with God that looked a lot like what Peter had with God. You see, uh, God spoke to me in my heart and he said, Corey, do you think that I care what words come out of their mouth if they don't know who I am? You know, you can, by your example and, and, and by your uh, behavioral modification... Help these guys not to drink, not to smoke, not to get high, not to shoot up, not to sleep around, not to cuss. But if they don't come to know who I am, what does that matter? And I started to realize that my holy stance was actually creating a chasm between me and the very people who God wanted me to share the good news of Jesus with. See, my holiness was hindering heaven's work. And that's exactly what we see here in this passage. You know, Peter thought that what he was doing was right and was good and holy, but Jesus is saying, Peter, I got something much better. There's a whole group of people that need to hear about this, and you need to engage. And so he does, and he continues on in the story. He says, right there and then, uh, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. And the Spirit told me, have no hesitation about going with him. I, I love this. This is one of the many things that the Spirit can do. He can actually give us discernment to be able to know uh, people that we can trust. And, and in this case, uh, the Spirit told Peter, trust these guys, go with them. And so uh, these six brothers, there was other Christians who went along with him, going with me. We entered into the man's house, the, the uncircumcised man's house, the Gentile's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message which you and all your household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them. The very one that came on us came on them, as it did with us at the beginning. And then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? That's, that's a great question to ask yourself. If you ever find that you're on the wrong side of God's will, it's a good thing to change your direction, okay? And that's exactly what's happened here with, with Peter. He realized, like, God's doing something here. I better stop and think about this a little bit. And so when, when the believers there, the, un, the circumcised believers, the Jewish believers, when they heard this, they had no further objections. And they praised God saying, so then God is granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Even the Gentiles. Now, I think this is worth uh, repeating. If you were here last weekend, uh, Stuart made a comment. And, and he, said, uh, he said, you know, if it weren't for chapters 9 and chapters 10 of the book of Acts... 
most of us sitting in this room wouldn't be here right now. You see, in chapter 9, uh, Jesus has an encounter with Paul, and he gives him a specific calling to go out to the Gentiles. And in chapter 10, we see the story being recounted by Peter of, of having this experience where all of a sudden it's opened up the world to the Gentiles. And so those of us here that, that don't have a, a Jewish uh, heritage, specifically following the line of your mothers, uh, you would not have been one of the ones that was shared the good news of Jesus with. And it's very possible you wouldn't be sitting here in this room. But those things did happen. And God did open up the door to even the Gentiles. Now, I want you to stop and I want you to think with me. Because all of us, um, all of us have a, a bias. We all judge people to a certain extent. We all have a prejudice to a certain extent. And so I want you to stop and think for a minute of a, of a people group that, that in your mind is so far away from God that there's no way... ...that Jesus could actually bring them into his fold, into his crowd. Now, now for you, that's even the... And maybe you think of a, of a, of a particular religious group. Even the, the Muslims, even the Mormons, even the atheists came to know who Jesus Christ was. Uh, maybe for you, it's a, it's, a, it's a group of people with a different type of lifestyle. Maybe the, the, the party group, or maybe somebody who identifies as, as being homosexual. And, and you think of those people, and you think, man, even the party crowd came to know Jesus. You see, what happens is we oftentimes limit what we think God can and will do. We prejudge people, and therefore it, it determines how we engage with them. But God's got a plan. He didn't just die for the Jews. He didn't just raise from the dead for you. He made this gift of grace available to all people in all nations. And even the person that you think is the farthest away from God, he wants to draw them there. Here's what I want to do real quick. What I want us to do is uh, I want you to close your eyes for a minute. Um, I promise in, I won't do anything weird, okay? But close your eyes for a minute, and I want you to envision whoever it is in your mind that comes to your mind when you think of, of that group of people that is farthest from God. I, I, I don't care who it is for you. Just think of that, that group of people. And in your mind right now, I want you to imagine that group of people, that category, and I, I want you to see Jesus walk over to them. And I want you to see Jesus speaking the words of life to them. And I want you to visualize them hitting their knees. Because it's possible. Father, I don't know who even the is for us. But Lord, I pray that you give us a specific passion and a desire for that group that we think is the furthest possible to coming to know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Now what you need to know about those groups is that God is and will reach out to them. Individually and collectively. He's doing that even now. I, I, I mentioned the, the, the Muslims, right? For, for some of you guys, you have a really ill picture of the Muslims. But I, I'm telling you that God is encountering Muslim people all over the globe. Even to the point of, of influencing and having encounters with Muslim imams, which would be a, a person like in my position or in Aaron's position, uh, overseeing kind of a congregation of people. And they are coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And you know what they're doing with that? 
They're coming on their holy days and they're instructing their congregations using the Quran to show them who Jesus is and how they should follow him. It is an amazing thing to be able to see somebody who is far from God all of a sudden come to an encounter with him because they are able to reach other people that you and I cannot. Now, I want you to, I want you to go back to that place in your mind for a minute. I want you to shut your eyes. Let's not think of a group of people. I want you to think of an individual person. That person that you believe is the furthest away from God right now. And you might think that because of, of things that they have done to you in the past. Things you, you've heard them say. It, it might even be you. You might be sitting in here. You might be listening to this online. And you are the person who you can think of as the farthest away from God. And Father... You tell us that when you are lifted up, you will draw all men to yourself. We know that your grace is not limited to just a few. It is made available to everyone. Father, we pray with great expectation that whoever it is that's in our mind, we pray for them specifically right here, right now, that they would have an encounter with you, that their life would be forever changed. Father, if that's one of us in this room right now, I pray that you would let us know that you love us and that we can never run too far away from you. We're never outside of the reach of your grasp. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What you guys need to realize is that um, this church was planted here in Colorado Springs. 27 people moved up from Arizona and came from other churches here in the Springs because we exist for the even does of the springs. The people that are farthest away from God here in this area, those are the people that we want to reach with the good news of Jesus. Yeah, if you have a background with, with Jesus already, you already have experience in church, when you come here, we, we are going to develop you and we're going to challenge you, we're going to encourage you, we're going to get you into the word, uh, we're going to make you a, a follower of Jesus at the highest level, but we exist for those who have yet to hear this good news that are furthest away. Because there are a lot of great churches here in the area that, that can minister to your needs if you are a follower of Jesus. But, but we are here for those that would astound you that they even came to Jesus. Matter of fact, we've had 31 people that have been baptized through Trace Church since we opened our doors in September. We're not even a year into this, guys. Yeah, you can clap for that. We got... We got at least three more that are going to be baptized, some students from our camps uh, this, this next coming month. And I got to tell you, some of those students, some of those people, some of you guys that are in here are the even thus in other people's minds. And you're going to be doing some incredible things for God. I know. I know that. All right, let's continue on in the passage. All right, here we go. It says now, verse 19, now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. All right, so get this, okay? The Jewish followers of Jesus got shot out because of persecution to these Gentile areas. They're telling people about Jesus, but they're limiting it to only the Jews that are in that area. Okay, but some of them... Men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks. Those are the Gentiles, right? The people outside of the Jewish faith, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. That's 
That's my prayer for this church. Matter of fact, Lord, I just pray that your hand would be with us and that a great number of people would believe and turn to you. Continue that. News of this reached the ears of, of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent to Barnabas at Antioch. And when he arrived, the evidence of the grace of God, uh, he saw that, and he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the, of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Just a side note here. If I could be like anybody in the New Testament... Uh, other than Jesus, Barnabas would be the guy for me. I just I love this guy. If you get some chance to, to research him a little bit more, I would I'd strongly recommend that. And so then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Okay, there's a couple of things here about that that I, I, I want to I chat with you. All right, first thing you need to understand is this is the first time of three times that the word Christian is even used in, in the New Testament. We don't see that a whole lot. Now, in our culture, in our context, uh, the word Christian has probably a vastly different meaning than what it did here. Uh, here, the, the word Christian literally meant follower of Christ, okay? Uh, other people have used that to say like little Christ. They were like Christ. Uh, but that was what it was termed. Now, this is what you need to see is that this was not a term that the Christians actually gave themselves, the believers gave themselves. This was a term that was actually given to them by people who were looking on to them. In other words, a non-believing world looked at these guys and they saw how much like Jesus they were, how they listened to what he said and put into practice the things that he did. And they said... You guys are followers of Jesus. You are Christians. And that's what they noted them at. The other thing you need to see here is that uh, the first people to kind of receive this, this term was, was not the Jewish Christians, all right? And that's the ones that you had the majority of. They were people that were actually of the Gentile faiths. They, because they didn't have as strong of a root in their identity as a Jew, they automatically assumed this identity as a follower of Jesus, and they were okay with that. Now, for some of us, some of us, we, we need to be conscientious of that. I think too often we use that term Christian. Now, I'm, I'm going to get on a soapbox for a minute, okay? There's nothing wrong with the term Christian, but it does carry a negative connotation for a lot of people. Now, not the actual term, but, but what happens is we start to look at ourselves as Christians, as the Jews looked at themselves as being Jewish. Really, it doesn't have anything to do about the, the, the practice or they're willing to follow Jesus as much as it does. This is the heritage this is, this is what I grew up with. This was what my home taught me. This is what I identify with the most. But, but wouldn't it be something else if we didn't have to call ourselves Christian for some other people to look at our lives and to identify that we're actually a part of the Jesus party? We're a part of his crowd. We're a part of his gathering. That's actually the, the I-A-N on the backside of, of, of Christian literally means to be a part of the party of to belong to the crowd of. And so it would be, it would be like, like somebody from the lost world that we're, we've been talking about, the even those looking around and saying, Jesus, party of 10, Jesus, party of 10, you're, you're one of those guys, right? I, I've seen you do the things that Jesus does. Jesus, crowd of 300, Jesus, crowd of 300. Yeah, you, you guys are part of that Trace Church that's actually looking like Jesus that are doing the things that he says and responding to people the way he tells us to. How incredible would it be 
for us to be known as followers of Jesus, not because we tell people that we are, but because they actually see it in our lives. They identify us as Christ followers. Continue on here. All right. During this time, verse 27, during this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them named Agabus stood and through the Spirit predicted a severe famine that would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. And they did this, sending their gifts to the elders, elders by Barnabas and, and Saul. Uh, we're we're going to get into our response time here in just a little bit. We're not done just yet, but, but when we do that, one of the things that we have available to you is our, uh, is our offering. We bring our tithes and our offerings. What you see here in the early church is that when people saw a need and they saw the mission, um, they, they self-sacrificed. There, there was nothing that was uh, communistically uh, predisposed saying, hey, everybody pull out $10 and, and give to this particular cause. You see, each disciple, according to his own ability, according to what he had, according to what the Spirit was telling him to give, gave freely and willingly and joyfully to the cause. That's how it should be with us. We should grow in generosity and faithfulness to this. It's not about how much you give. It's about your willingness to be able to give. Something we can all take note of. Now, I wish wish we had time to actually read through chapter 12 together as well. We're not going to do that, okay? Uh, But I am going to summarize chapter 12 for you a little bit. These are the two chapters we're in. If you do get a chance, man, this is some great content. This is great stuff to to read with a friend or with your kids, with your spouse. This this is awesome. Okay, but what happens is is you see the story progressing. and This is the last time you're going to see Peter for a little while. We're going to start to talk more about Paul in the coming days. Uh, But what happens is is this, this guy named King Herod. He's the ruler of the land, and, and he doesn't like what's going on uh, with these Christians who are coming in. And so he takes James, which is the brother of John, one of the guys that was in the inner circle of Jesus, and, uh, and he has him executed. He has him killed. And he sees that this pleases the people. And so he apprehends Peter, and he throws him in prison with the same expectation that he's going to execute Peter. Now, what you're going to find out from this story is that Peter actually gets miraculously saved. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But I've got a real problem with this, and I don't know if you guys struggle with this or not. But James, a very influential, just as devoted follower of Jesus as Peter is, he gets killed and Peter gets set free. I don't know if you ever had these situations in your life and you look at things and you're like, God, why, why did he get this and I got that? Why is this happening to me and that's not happening to them? Guys, this is a perfect example. And here's what you need to know. I don't struggle with the fact that James was executed. I don't struggle with the fact that bad things happen in this life. That's kind of the MO of sin. Sin and life happens. It's just, and bad things happen because of it. James knew the consequences of following Jesus, and he willingly went to his death on behalf of him. What I struggle with is why didn't Peter have the same fate? Why did Jesus choose to intervene in Peter's story when he didn't stop what happened to James. Guys, I, I got to tell you, honestly, some of you guys are wrestling with some of these things in your own life. And, and this is where we just have to submit to the, to the understanding that God's ways are higher than ours. There's, there's some reason why he actually stepped in and stopped that thing from happening or moved in some way. And we get to see some of the life of Peter lived out and why maybe... Why maybe God intervened in that, but we don't oftentimes know those things on the front end. That's where we have to trust that God is in control and he's got our best interests in mind. Well, here, here's what happens, all right? 
Um, in verse 5, it says, so Peter was in prison. All right, he's in prison. He's got a bunch of guards around him because they don't want anything to happen. But the church, the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What happens is the, is the church sees a brother who is in peril, and their response is to get together and pray for him. That's what they do. I think we could do that more often. I think we should do that more often. And that's what happens to these guys. And, and something incredible happens while they're praying in the house. An angel actually comes to the prison where, where Peter is. And he unchains him and he unbinds him. And he starts to lead him out of the prison. And Peter thinks that he's dreaming. And he's walking and he's walking he's walking. He gets outside the gates and the angel leaves him. And all of a sudden he's like, holy crap. I'm like, this really happened. Again, Corey's paraphrase. Okay, so, but he's... He's like, oh my gosh, like, th like this really happened. And so he does the, the thing that he thinks is best, and he goes to the place where he knows that his brothers and sisters will be praying for him. And, and so he goes to Mary's house, and he, and he knocks on the door. And this, this, this gal named Rhoda, uh, the other guys are praying, and so she walks away from the prayer. She comes to the door, and, and she hears Peter's voice on the other side. And she gets so tickled, so excited that it's Peter at the door, she doesn't let him in, and she leaves him outside. And she runs over to the people that are praying, and she's like, guys, 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 you will not believe who's at the door right now. And they're like, well, who's at the door? They're like, Peter's at the door. And they're like, Rhoda, Rhoda, Peter's not at the door. That's why we're praying for Peter right now. Whatever you're smoking, stop smoking that and come back over here and let's pray for his, his protection and favor for Herod and deliverance for him, right? You, you see what's happening, right? These guys are, are so busy talking to God about stuff that they're not actually looking for his answers. They're not looking to see what he can actually do. And so finally, finally, Peter just keeps knocking at the door like, hey, you guys got to let me in. They come and they open the door and sure enough, it's Peter. And the, and the scripture says they were astounded. They were blown away. Even though they were praying earnestly for him, they didn't see how God could move. Because they limited what God actually could do. I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm guilty of this on so many occasions. Matter of fact, I, I was guilty of this just a, just a couple weeks ago when I took our kids to CIY on our, on our student ministry thing. All right, it was a high school student trip, and, and I've been praying for weeks on end that God would have an encounter with each and every one of our students that came, that each, each person that was supposed to come would be there and that he would show up and and we get there on Monday afternoon. We had 16 high school students come with us. We get there Monday afternoon. We have a session, and then Monday night, like half of our group is just broken down. And like they're, they're saying God has spoken to them and that their lives have been changed. And, like, and, I, and I'm sitting back going, what? Like first night, God. Like I know how camps work. You know, it takes you know, a couple of days, like Thursday or Friday. You're breaking through the exterior. You'll finally be able to talk to them. It's like it's then when, when God shows up, right? But it's, no, like Monday night, God is meeting them right where they're at. And I'm just sitting back going, God, if this is what you're doing on Monday, what else do you have in store? You see, because I, I could only see what I thought that I knew that God could do. And therefore, oftentimes, we only pray like what we can only think God can do. Guys, we're getting ready to enter into a time uh, where we are extremely blessed as a church plant to be able to move into a new facility less than a year that we've been here. That, that is just unheard of, just so you guys know, all right? Unheard of. For a lot of churches, they'll spend three, five, ten years hoping to get into a facility. And when they get there, they're like, yes, we have arrived. Because that's all that they can see that God wants to do with them. 
You all need to understand something about this church. Tyler mentioned this earlier, and I loved his, his, his meditation. This is just a step on the journey. You see, what we're going to pray for is, is not that we can get into a new facility so that we don't have to set up and tear down every week, all right? See, our God is much bigger than that. Our vision is much bigger than that. Our mission is much bigger than that. This space is just going to provide a platform on the journey of, of many other places that we will end up and many other places that you will go to be able to drastically impact the landscape of the springs that we live in. But I think we got to pray a little bit bigger. I think we got to pray outside of what we can see. I think we need to start keeping our eyes open for the things that God will do. That, that he could actually reach that person in your life that's furthest away from God. It is possible. And when he does, you'll have a Paul kind of experience. Saul the Paul experience. And he'll change the world. So that's what I'm going to pray for, guys. What, what we're going to do is we're going to enter into a, a time of communion, response time, communion offering. We have some prayer stations here in the back that are available to you. Every week that we get together, we have this response time because we truly believe that when you show up on a Sunday, you're spending your time to, to hear from God, to know from Him, but it's more than just hearing and listening. It's like actually doing things that He tells us to do. And if we're going to be considered to be followers of Jesus, we actually have to act out. And this is one way in which you can do it. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, we have communion trays up front that allow you to have an opportunity to to remember the sacrifice that he made on our behalf, to thank him for it and to allow that to motivate you to further action. Just take the bread and dip it in the cup and have a moment with God to celebrate that. We also have some, some offering containers up here. This is an opportunity for you to grow in generosity and support the mission of, of the church, but specifically this church. Give accordingly to whatever God is calling you to be able to, to be a part of in that regard. In addition, we got these prayer stations in the back. Some of you have people that came to your mind as we did that prayer time. You know what I would love? I'd love for you to write the name of that person on the card. Because we would love to pray for that person alongside of you, intercede in their life, so that God would show up in some miraculous way. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they Facebooked you or texted you or you ran into them at Walmart or something like that today. I wouldn't be surprised because that's the kind of God we serve. He hears us, he listens to us, and he wants to allow us to be on the move. So move wherever you feel that you should move, um, but don't just soak something in. Do something with it, okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the recorded history that you've given us, that we get to see people before us that are just like us, nothing special. Fishermen, tax collectors, physicians, businessmen. Lord, they're just people like us that have been supernaturally inspired and infused by your spirit because they received the good news of your son, Jesus. And that's what separates them. And that's what allows them to be seen as followers of you. Not their own work or their own power, but your work in them. Let us, let us be like those guys. Let us learn from their example. Let us be motivated. Let us pray big, Father. Let us see the even thens and pray for them. Let us love you more and prepare us for this next season of our church life. In Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.